Today we acknowledge St. Francis of Assisi, friar, deacon, philosopher, mystic, and preacher who lived in the 12th century in Italy. St. Francis abandoned a life of real luxury for a life devoted to Christianity after reportedly hearing the voice of God who commanded him to rebuild the Christian church and live in poverty. He is the patron saint of animals and the environment. Many centuries after the death of St. Francis, the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem entitled The Sermon of St. Francis. The poem tells the story of St. Francis who tries to teach a flock of birds about the wonders of God. The birds flock to St. Francis's parish every day to ask for food, and, and it is then that St. Francis teaches them of God. Although St. Francis does not believe that the birds understand his preaching, he is able to bring himself great peace and calm by telling the story of God including how God's goodness and support is given to all, including people, birds, animals, and all the world. Now, we may not have flocks of birds to care for each day, but those of us with companion animals, such as cats, and particularly dogs, will understand the peace and calmness we feel when we talk to and reach out to our animals. They may not fully understand us, although we think they do, but the elevation of the level of the, of the chemical oxytocin in our brain as we stroke the animal companions we have is a well-researched outcome of tending a companion animal, and the peace and calm that follows is often felt by many. Like the birds in the, in the poem, um, Longfellow questions if his readers will understand the message being given. A message is relevant today as when Longfellow wrote his poem about St. Francis nearly 150 years ago. Longfellow was clearly well-versed in our reading, which we had today for the Gospel reading from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And the Message Bible, a more contemporary Bible, puts it this way. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and the know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And Jesus continued talking to the people but now tenderly when he said, the Father has given me all these things to do and say. I'm not keeping them to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anybody who's willing to listen. As we continue to face uncertain times ahead, sometimes weary, sometimes fearful, sometimes struggling with all we hear and are bombarded with in the media, with the unknown world ahead, it is comforting to know that we as Christians have somewhere to put aside our load and experience the calm and peace that really does pass all understanding. It is comforting to know that there is something bigger than ourselves that provides us with support 
for the challenges that we face. And we're even told in our reading today how to do the shedding of our burdens. We are to share them with Jesus. We are to take on his burden while giving up ours. In the latter part of our gospel reading today, in verse 29, we hear these words, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So why did Jesus use the analogy of a yoke in the instruction he has given us about sharing our burdens with him. It's always interesting to think about why Jesus used particular words in particular places. Most people have a rough understanding of what a yoke is, a regular yoke, but there there are also some particular features of a yoke that may explain why Jesus used this particular word. For a start, in the Aramaic tradition, the tradition in which Jesus grew up, yoke and lordship were seen to be synonymous ideas. Jesus would have been very familiar with the association between yoke and lordship. A yoke itself, a wooden frame, is fitted on working animals such as oxen to evenly balance the load on each individual. And the yoke allows the two animals to work as a finely coordinated team to carry out a particular task. One of the critical things about the use of a yoke is that an animal must always, always be on the side, same side of the yoke so that their role is learned and they become more confident with their assigned task. To get a learner ox used to the yoke, you would always put the learner ox who was learning a task alongside a highly trained ox so that the learner could be taught by a much more experienced ox, the kind of teacher ox. There are times when the burden that the ox has to bear is so heavy that one may sometimes stumble, but of course, uh, at that stage, the second ox is there to support the first one. So, when we not, so what we know is that a yoke is generally meant for two. And in our story this morning, Jesus is telling us that his yoke is in place so that we can be supported and learn alongside him. Maybe one could speculate that Jesus had even made yokes in his carpenter's workshop where he worked with wood. It would be likely that yokes would have been needed for the farm work around his village. If any of you have been to Nazareth, you, you will realise the hills that are around where the ox work, oxen work. So Jesus would likely have been familiar with such a wooden item. And Jesus says, when we are yoked to him, we will never stumble or fall under his burden. Jesus says his burden is light. When we are yoked to him, our burdens become his burdens and his ours. And that sounds like a pretty, pretty good trade off to me. In 1989, a musician called Bill Withers, some of you will remember him, wrote a song that describes the very essence of this message. He wrote, Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. 
I'll help you to carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. This is exactly what Jesus is saying to us here. We can lean on Jesus when we're not strong. We just need to admit to ourselves that under the cover of everything's fine, there are things that we can't do alone. Dr. George McCausland was a very effective YMCA director, but some years ago he was selected to serve in a particularly challenging YMCA in western Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh. And that western Pennsylvania YMCA was losing membership, had huge financial difficulties and a multitude of staff problems. So George McClusen found himself working 85 hours a week. He found himself getting little sleep at night. He took, took little or no time off. And when he was not working, he was worrying and he was fretting about the problems of his job. He was a driven man with a type A personality. You may know similar driven people, men and women. He went to a counsellor who told him he was on the verge of a severe mental distress. He realised that he had to learn somehow how to let go and let God into his problems. He didn't know how to do that. He hadn't been trained at letting go in his training and he considered he was actually indispensable to his workplace. You may know people like that. Eventually, George McClusen took an afternoon off. He took a pad and he took paper and he went for a long, unhurried walk in the western Pennsylvania woods. As he was walking through the woods, the cool woods, he could eventually start to feel his tight body and his tight neck start to relax. He kept walking and eventually sat down under a tree and just sighed and breathed deeply. And for the first time in months, he started to feel relaxed. He got out his pad and paper, and he decided at that moment that although he would keep his job, he would release his mental over-control, his micromanaging, and his need to manage every detail of everything in his life. And so he wrote a letter to God. He said, Dear God, Today I hereby resign as General Manager of the Universe. Love, George. Then with a twinkle in his eye, George McClosen said, And wonder of wonders, God accepted my resignation. One lesson George teaches us is that if our religion is primarily based about obsessively or fearfully following routines and meeting duties and other obligations, then it is indeed a hard yoke and a heavy burden. Life is an act, not of juggling balls in the air, though sometimes it might seem like that's what it's like. Life is about carrying eggs from a barn with care. Regarding George's case, sometimes there can be a resistance to self-care because of fear of putting oneself first or at the centre, as in self-centredness. Some people will make the argument that we're not the priority, the people we serve are the priority. That may well be true. But if we look at Jesus, he certainly took quiet time away from the crowds in prayer with God, his Father. 
He practiced self-care and suggests we do so too by sharing his yoke and laying our burdens on him. The invitation is right beside us to accept. In the book of Sarich, a, a Jewish work from approximately 200 years before Jesus, the Jewish scribe, Ben Sarah, equates yoke with wisdom. He writes, Come to wisdom like one who plows and sows. Put your neck into wisdom's collar. The idea of yoking to someone to gain learning, understanding, rest, is clearly a long-standing idea in our world. We are invited to share our yoke with Jesus, who says we will find rest unto our souls. What a secure rock to build our life on. Jesus says, do you want peace of mind? Come to me. Do you want to be able to sleep at night? Come to me. Let me teach you my ways and you shall have them. What each of us is currently dealing with in our life, whether we like to admit it or not, did not catch God by surprise. God knows what each of us needs to keep us from being overwhelmed. I invite you today to hitch yourself to the yoke Jesus offers. Let him take your burdens. Rest, really rest in him. Gain refreshment from him. Trust him. This open invitation is the best invitation you will ever receive. Amen.